Welcome to episode 9 of series 2 of the podcast called Radical Simple Living. I'm Ray Lovegrove and I'm talking to you today, as I do every time, from the kitchen of my homestead in the forests of southern Sweden. Welcome to you today. Uh, I hope you're good. We are in the process of changing seasons here very slowly this year. It is getting colder, but it's not getting colder quickly. It is getting frosty, but not as often or as hard as I'd expect frost to be by this time of year. So like the rest of the world, we are suffering a year of being warm. Um, Anyway, what I want to talk to you about today is something that will have affected you all. And it bears a particular reference to simple living because it's one of the questions that people most commonly ask me when they hear about where I live and what I do. And that question is, don't you ever get bored? Because they know I live out in the woods. They know I I go into town maybe two, sometimes three times a year, no more often than that. And I spend most of my time in the house, in the land attached to the house, or in the woodlands beyond the land attached to the house. That's where I am most of the time. If I had a a bleeper on top of my head that could be picked up by a satellite, that's where you would find me. And the answer I always give them to that question is, no, I, I don't get bored. I'm never bored. I never, ever get bored. I have been bored, and I was bored as a child, but as an adult... I'm not bored. Well, how do I achieve this? Well, one, because it's a homestead. It's uh, a land outside. There's animals. There's not many, but some. Uh, But I've got things to do. I'm busy. I'm busy cooking meals from scratch. I'm busy trying to repair things when they don't work. I'm busy doing all sorts of things. And when I'm not being busy doing that, there are books to read. There's music to listen to. There's always cleaning up to do. And my list of things to do never comes to an end. Neither, I hasten to add, in case you're wondering, do I ever achieve everything that's my list of things to do. At the end of the day, I go to bed and think, oh, I should have done this today, I should have done that today. But some days don't work out like that, do they? Some days you wake up with good intentions and events gears in the way and stop those things from happening so boredom do you get bored do you get bored easily do you get bored often what do you do when you get bored to alleviate that boredom well i'm going to say something quite controversial here which i think that boredom is a really good idea i think boredom is a gateway to being creative with your time. In the same way that hunger is a prelude to you having a really good appetite and enjoying a meal, you can't sit down for a meal if you're really not hungry and get maximum enjoyment out of it, can you? But if you sit down to a meal with the right degree of hunger and anticipation, you enjoy your meal. If you've got things to do, a degree of boredom is one of the things that spurs you on to do things. Now, I know what you're saying, that bored children get into trouble and that bored adults end up becoming addicted to gambling or computer games or 
drugs or something like that. Um, but but I don't think that is borne out by looking at how the world really is. A lot of children that grow up in a very stimulating environment when they're young uh, go on, unfortunately, and I'm not being moralistic about this, it's an unfortunate fact and it's often no fault of their own, but they do often end up with dependency on substance, maybe through no fault of their own, maybe because they had a sports injury and were prescribed meds and found it difficult to get off them, or maybe they fell in with the wrong company. There could be a thousand reasons, and I'm not going to try and judge those people. All I'm saying is, it happens. If you read lots of biographies of people, you know, contemporary people and people back in history, it is amazing how many of them declare boredom as the thing that got them going in life. We know Isaac Newton, who was the youngest ever professor at Cambridge University, describes incredible boredom as a young child. And by the time he was an adolescent, he was making great progress in mathematics and physics. Principia Mathematica was, was written and... He made all kinds of discoveries that we, we think he's wonderful for today. Would he have made them if, when he was bored as a child, his parents bought him an Xbox and said, there we go, Isaac, there's an Xbox, go away and play on it. It would have alleviated the boredom, that's for sure. It would have been very exciting for him. Um, but... Uh, he 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 would not maybe have gone on to achieve the things that he did achieve. You can look at composers like Schubert and Beethoven, and again, boredom seems to be the thing that drove them forward. By being bored, they were forced to do all sorts of things that they might not have done otherwise. Um, I mentioned one person in particular, Neil Young who I'm a great fan of, I confess openly. Neil Young said that his childhood in Canada was so unbelievably boring that he had to take up the guitar and start songwriting because that was a way of alleviating the boredom and a way of using his time. And I think his story is not an uncommon one. I think a lot of people who went on to greatness... Bob Dylan talks about reading 19th century um, lyrical poems to alleviate boredom as a child. And that obviously had a big influence on his later lyricism and the length of his songs, you could argue, because he'd had that input born out not of stimulation, but out of boredom. So the main thrux of my argument today is going to be that boredom is an important component of life, especially for children and young people, because it acts as a gateway into creativity and a great a gateway into work. Now, th these aren't, ideas aren't entirely mine. Uh, they're not shared by many, but there are lots of people who've done research and found that bored children become creative children. And... If you have children or if you have grandchildren or if your children have left home but you can still remember, it's very easy to try and alleviate boredom with electronics, isn't it? 
And many of us as adults do that. I must admit, if I sit down in front of, I don't have a television, but I do have a, a laptop here. And what draws me to sit down on the laptop and watch something on it is not boredom, but fatigue. At the end of the day, it's just the only thing you can do is just sit back for an hour and maybe find something to watch. A lot of people use electronics to alleviate boredom as well as tiredness. And if you are, the question you need to ask yourself, is there something better I could be doing to alleviate boredom than using computer games or using social media or using old-fashioned television? There's nothing wrong with those things, and I'm not saying that they're bad. What I am saying is if you're using those to alleviate boredom, you're perhaps stopping yourself finding out some new aspects about yourself finding new skills, finding new purpose, finding ways to be creative, and yeah, finding ways to be radically simpler in the way you approach your life. Now, back in the 1960s, a man called Richard Neville, who was quite famous for being the editor, one of the editors of a, a magazine called Oz that got itself into all kinds of problems that people in, in Britain will know about if they're old enough. He wrote a book called Play Power, and, and I read it many, many years ago. I haven't checked to see if it's still in print, and uh, it wasn't one of the world's greatest books, so don't rush out to buy a copy expecting to be enlightened. But it did have some good points in it. And one of his points was, in his book Play Power, that if you take people and take away all activity from them, if you put them in a situation where activity is not theirs, you, you know, they, they haven't got anything to do, they start working. Now, why do they start working? Because it's normal for humans to be active. It's normal for humans. When we were living in Africa at the dawn of the evolution of humans, we would have spent most of our day foraging for food, or searching for mates, or grooming one another. And all those things took time, and I dare say those early humans, at the end of the day, could put up their feet and happily relax and sleep because they've been so busy. And people were busy all the way through the ancient world and all the way through the Middle Ages and into modern life. It's only a fairly modern thing where anybody apart from the very rich has had leisure time to do what they want. If you read, for instance, some novels of the, of, from the 19th century, Jane Austen comes to mind. A lot of the characters in Jane Austen books don't actually have to do anything. The women did have to do things. The women were expected to do... You know, Jane Austen didn't come from an incredibly rich upbringing... She was sort of impoverished lower middle class. So they would have had to watch their pennies. And things like mending and things like doing household chores would have fallen to the women. But some of the male characters in Jane Austen's books have very little to do. Some of them are in the army and some of them are in the clergy. But a lot of them are just these sort of gentlemen, uh, that's in speech marks, who ha had an income and nothing very much to do all day. And they got bored, and they alleviated it with the computer games of their day, which was hunting 
shooting, fishing, fencing, duelling, gambling, cockfighting, all of these things that rich people used to do to relieve the boredom of the age. Now, nowadays, if people hunt, I presume they want to. And nowadays, if people fish, I assume they want to. And nowadays, if people fence, I assume they want to. But in those days, it was just a, a stream of these things for the wealthy young men of the time. And they had very little to do. Richard Neville, in his book Play Power, says, If you're left with time on your hands, you will invent work. Maybe you're sitting down and you think, you know, it's about time this room got decorated. Or, you know, I think I'll dig up that lawn and start growing vegetables in it next year. Or, I think I'll start writing a book. Or, I've always wanted to do oil painting. I think I'll start doing it. These things don't come around because you're too stimulated. They come around because you're bored. So, what can we do to channel boredom? What can we do to make boredom turn into something quite creative instead of what we fear it will become into, which is bad behaviour? Remember that old saying, the, the devil makes work for idle hands. Well, how can we make sure that doesn't happen? Well, one of the chief things you can do if you've got children is not rush to provide entertainment with it, with, for them yourself. If you go into a room and you see all your children, however many you've got, seven or eight, I don't know which it is, but when you go into a room and see your children sitting around in a bored state, are you the one that comes up with something to do? Are you the one that says, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we all did this? Or how about doing this? And you find yourself not only being parent and having all the responsibilities of in the home and responsibilities of work and responsibilities to other people, you also find yourself as entertainment officer, don't you? And you're running round the, the room with a red nose on, blowing up balloons and trying to be entertaining, and they're sitting there looking as bored as ever. Or worse than that, you force them to the position where they go into their rooms and they're playing with a, a, a computer game, and they're not really developing any new skills, they're just channeling their addictions, aren't they? Adults channel their addictions all the time, so do children. They very soon get hooked on computer games, and I know the world is divided as to whether these are wonderful or awful things. I err to the side of awful, personally. I'll nail my colours to the miles. My children play computer games, but I don't think it's the best use of their time. I'm not draconian enough to stop them, but at the same time I don't do anything to encourage them playing computer games. One of the things you can do with children is make sure that stimulation is on hand, but you're better if they find it themselves. Make sure in the room where your children play, there are lots of books. Now, when I say books to people, a lot of them think of, oh, let's have a copy of David Copperfield in the room and uh, uh, complete works of Shakespeare. And uh, Yeah, you can do that, and those should be in your room and in your house somewhere. But you can do an awful lot with books that are just really nice to look at. I particularly like these books, and there's a number of publishers that do them, that have sort of a double page spread. So there'll be about some topic like astronomy or archaeology or breeding dogs or anything. 
But the, the books are stimulating in themselves because they have a mixture of pictures and writing and children are drawn into them. If you have books like that at your house and they're sitting tidily and neatly stacked on a shelf, make a habit of taking some off the shelf and putting them on a coffee table in the room where your children spend their time. And the number of times I've done that as a parent and have gone back some hours later and found a child, not often the child you expect, but a child, sitting on the sofa looking at that book. And then what you can do is a day or two later, you can take that book and put it back on the shelf. And then you might find a child will come up to you and say, oh, where, where, where was that book that was there the other day? And of course, you replace it with another book, but you remember where you put it and you can draw them to it. Children need to be led to things, but they need to believe that they them, themselves have decided to take these things up. They need to believe that they're the ones that have instigated the, the, the activity. Now, what you do for books, you can also do for drawing equipment. Make sure in the room where your children spend their time, there's plenty of drawing paper. It needn't be, you know, fresh sketchbooks. It can be, you know, paper that's been printed on one side in your office and you're able to get them to use the other side before it's recycled. That's fine. Make sure there's big pots of colouring pencils everywhere. Make sure that these are left on a table and sooner or later a child will be playing with their phone and pick up the piece of paper and start drawing on it. And you might be opening a gateway to something or you might not. It's very hard to say. You can also do this by, you know, all sorts of things. Needlework, woodwork, gardening. You can, you can induce them into it without feeling that you're forcing them into it. They, they might, if you have this, they might say, can I help to you occasionally? Uh, it doesn't happen often to me, but it does sometimes when a child will say, can they help? And sometimes you don't want help, do you? Sometimes you say, no, I just want to do this on my own. But do feel that you should say yes. If a child wants to come along when you're cooking a meal and say, can I help? Say yes. If you're doing a DIY task and a child comes and asks if they can help, always say yes. If you're looking after animals or you're gardening or you're dressmaking or you're doing any one of those wonderful simple living activities and a child says can I help say yes. They are more likely to get drawn in something that's novel. If you don't normally make your own soap you know one summer making some soap in the middle of the summer holidays will get children interested because it's fun and they've never done it before. If you make soap every week, you're less likely to get them involved, but that's very much the way it works. So try and use boredom constructively. Now, we've been talking there mainly about boredom in children, but there's also boredom in adults. And what can you do for yourself? Well, the things are endless. Let's get one of these things out of the way right away. Let's get the idea of board games. Now, I've just said earlier on that I'm not a great fan of computer uh, computer games. I have to say I don't like board games much either. I do play them, but I myself find them tedious. But I do play them with my children uh, on occasions. If they ask, if they come and say, can we have a game of this? I normally say, oh, I'm busy now, but come back in an hour and we sit down and have a game. This could be chess or drafts or 
Americans have different names for these checkers or uh, you can play Monopoly or Ludo or Snakes and Ladder. You can play any of those old-fashioned board games. When they get older, you can start a more sophisticated game of life or um, I'm trying to think of some others, but I can't. But you know the ones I mean. Have you got a cupboard full of those in your house? Yeah, here's a trick. Get out one of the boxes and leave it on that table in the room where the children go and play. And I wouldn't be surprised if after a few days somebody asks you if you want to have a game with them. Just try it and see. It does work. Now the other thing you can do is encourage your children to um, play card games, encourage your children to play all kinds of games and they may like it, they may not. My experience of children is that they like this when they're very young and then they have a period of going off games and then they sort of come back to them when they reach mid-teens. They suddenly want to play ball games again and you can capitalise on that and get them to do it. Now, you as an adult, if you get bored, read books. Read books, read any book that takes your interest about any topic whatsoever. Um, if you are the kind of person that doesn't get on with reading books because you start on them and then get fed up with them and drop them, give yourself the 20 page rule, which means when you pick up any book and start to read it, don't drop it before you've read 20 pages in. If you get 20 pages in and it's still reasonably okay or it hasn't bored you rigid by that point, give it another 40 pages. And if you don't like it, then stop it and try another one. But a lot of people do give up on books too early. Sometimes I've done that myself and have gone back to that book a couple of years later and find it's wonderful. If you don't like reading novels, um, factual books, picture books. If you're a grown-up but prefer children's books to read, I don't see any problem with that. I think one of the silliest things you can do to a book is is write the age of children it's for on the cover. Um, you know, I read The Wind in the Willows regularly. It's wonderful. It's a copy by my bedside. And I love it. And I'm a grown-up. So don't be worried. If you prefer children's books to uh, if you prefer children's books to adult books, that's no problem. But try and read widely and try and read something every day. If, like me, you spend a lot of your time doing jobs that don't require a lot of thought, jobs like weeding and digging and cleaning and ironing and all these things, audiobooks are pretty wonderful. And you, many of you belong to things like Audible, where you can buy books reasonably cheaply and uh, access a free library that they have and listen to them. If you can't afford that, don't worry. There's a company called LibriVox, which has all the world's out-of-copyright classics read by volunteers, and you can listen to those for free. Do listen to a segment, first of all, to make sure you're OK with the reader's voice because most of those aren't read by professional readers and sometimes uh, the voice can be a little jarring, although they're doing their best. If you want to read a classic book, if you want to read Anne of Green Gables and you go to LibriVox, you'll find that five or six people have got versions of them reading the book up and you can choose the one you like the best. So please do that and investigate it. 
Audiobooks are wonderful. They are available freely if you can't afford to buy them. And you can often find that your local library leases out audiobooks over the internet. And if you live in a, a town that has a library, chances are you'll be able to borrow audiobooks from them. So you can do that for free. It's good for making dull, repetitive jobs interesting. I get through several a week that way and would recommend it. Now, does boredom get you into trouble? Does boredom turn you into an addict? Does boredom turn you into a socially responsible person? I don't believe it does. What I do know is a lot of people become addicts not after a prolonged period of boredom, but after a prolonged period of activity. We find occasions where sports people, professional football players, professional basketball players, surfers, all of these people come to a time when they can no longer do the sport that has been a major part of their lives for many years. And when that happens, they are incredibly vulnerable to all kinds of health issues as well as to addictions. They haven't gone through a long progressed process of boredom, but they find the main oxygen that kept them going in terms of vitality and interest and time has been taken from them. Can boredom get you into trouble? I'm going to tell you a little story quickly about when I was at school. Monday afternoons, I can't remember which year it is, it was probably year nine. Monday afternoons, it was double English to end the day. And our English teacher at the time, who's long since dead, was called Mr Hobbs. And Mr Hobbs was notorious for being uh, a bit scatterbrained. Uh, he was old, he should have been retired, but he wasn't, he was still teaching. And often as not, on a Monday afternoon, instead of teaching us a double English lesson, he, I suspect, couldn't be bothered, and he said we could have library lesson. And library lesson meant going to the room next door to his classroom, which was the library, and silently reading a book for a double English lesson, which was about an hour and ten minutes. Now, I went into the library, I had a book in front of me, but I was busy with the people around the table in conversation. And I was chatting away to them in that way you chat when you don't think anyone can hear you, but in actual fact they can. Mr Hobbs saw me and he said, that boy, he could never remember people's names, he said, that boy, out of the library, go back to my classroom, I'll see you after lesson. And so I had to leave the library through the front door and go to his classroom. I sat there for a few minutes and I was bored. I wanted to carry on with the conversation. So I left his classroom and re-entered the library by the back doorway and went back to the same table I was at before and carried on with the conversation. Mr Hobbs saw me again. He didn't recognise I was the same boy. He thought it was somebody completely different. I said, that boy, you go next door in my classroom as well. So I went next door to his classroom and I got bored again. And I did the same trick. I went out of the classroom, back into the library by the other entrance, and again carried on my conversation. It was about music, I suspect, I don't know. 
and sure as sure could be, Mr. Hobbs saw me and said, that boy talking, go and join the others in the room next door. And I went back to the classroom. And this was the end of the double period and it was the end of the day. And I sat there and Mr. Hobbs came in and he said to me, he looked at me and he said, where are the other boys? And I said, they've all gone, sir. And he said, you were good for staying where I put you. You can go, but I want to see those others first thing tomorrow morning. Will you tell them that? And I went. Boredom. It's been good talking with you today. Um, I hope to catch you again soon. If by any chance this is the first of my podcasts you've listened to, I hope you will have a look over the back catalogue and um, see if any of the topics there interest you and go back and look at them again. If you've been with me for a long time and you've been following these podcasts, well, I'm delighted with that and uh, I hope you continue to do so. Please do your best to publicise these podcasts. Subscribe when you get to the place where you normally listen to them because that helps keep the figures up. And if you know anyone else who would be interested, please take the trouble to remind them of that on social media. And if you have been drawn to listen to this podcast because you were bored and couldn't think of anything else to do, I think I'd proved my point, haven't I? Because you were bored, you'd ended up listening to this exciting podcast. If you were doing something exciting, you wouldn't be listening now, would you? You'd be doing something else. Okay, I'm off to work in the garden. Um, My cats are off to sleep for the rest of the morning, I suspect. So I hope to see you soon uh, again on Radical Simple Living. Bye for now.